I don't know exactly what your childhood was like, but um, as, a, as a child, as uh, my life was basically, my childhood was in the 80s. It was a good, good time. Gather round, children. Let me tell you of my childhood. Um, there was a wonderful thing in the 80s. It was pretty new back then. It was Nintendo. Um, I can remember the day that we got Nintendo, and uh, my brother and I would play that for hours upon hours. We just loved all of those games. One of those games that I particularly loved was the game of Tetris. How many of you are Tetris fans? Love Tetris. I don't know what... It appeals to a certain mindset, I will just say. It appeals to a certain type of person that... As soon as you hear that music, and all of a sudden, I mean, it's just like even that music begins, and here come the pieces, and they just start dropping, and you get to move them where you want. And the whole point of Tetris is to get the right pieces in the right places. And you're trying to get the right pieces in the right places, and and then the better you get at it, the faster the game goes. And you're just you know switching around. I mean, Adrian's with me. He's like, oh yeah, preach it, preach it. I know, moving those pieces around, getting them working, and it's just trying to see how far you can go. The word Tetris is actually that beautiful moment when all the pieces line up perfectly and you've got that one perfect piece, that gap, and then you line in and like in a moment, as soon as you get those pieces together, all of the blocks disappear. It's like do 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 and you get to, you know, keep on going to the next level. It's exciting. Again, it kind of appeals to a, a weird sort of task-oriented, object-oriented mindset. But putting the right pieces in the right places is something that appeals to me, and I, I have a, a certain way of thinking. And so even to this day, even though I don't pay, play Tetris near like I used to, I sometimes live a Tetris kind of life, getting all of the right pieces in the, fast, in, in the right places, and sometimes the music begins to go faster and faster. And it's like, okay, I can just move this and go over here and do this. And sometimes, sometimes the pieces line up just perfectly. But here is the problem. Life rarely works as nice and neat as a video game, unfortunately. The pieces rarely fit together. In fact, I'm... I'm the older I get, the more I'm convinced there are not nice, neat pieces at all. And that's what we're going to kind of address in this series that we are calling Rhythm. Rhythm is a series about um, getting past the myth that we have to have all the right pieces in all the right places to make it work. Um, Think about this, think about it like this, okay? Sometimes we begin to think, okay, I've got this part of my life and this part of my life. I've got elements of my life. That's not, it usually doesn't go together like that. Usually instead of having separate pieces and parts to it that all fit together, it's all kind of squished together. It's all kind of blended together. If you, okay, you, I, see, I can see you're lost already. You need a, a relatable analogy. So Sometimes you can go to Chick-fil-A and you can get a 
delicious chicken sandwich. And it's not like some of those certain places that you've probably heard about. They don't have bones sticking out of their chicken that you might choke on. I mean, this is just pure chicken. And if you get the deluxe chicken sandwich, you've got some different parts to it. Of course, you got the bun. you got the pickle. Um, how many of you in here are pickle people? Okay. How many of you are not pickle people? Eh, eh, sorry. Pray for you. Um, <laughs> You've got, especially on the deluxe sandwich, you have the lettuce, you have the tomato, if you, if you, you've got the, the slice of cheese. So you have all these elements to the sandwich. And if you don't like certain elements, you know, if you want the deluxe chicken sandwich, but you don't want that lettuce, or you don't like tomato, or you don't like pickles, you just peel apart the, the pieces and pick off what you don't like. Okay? That's, that would be nice if life worked like that, but that's really not how life works. A more appropriate picture of how life works is a delicious peach shake from Chick-fil-A. See, what they do there is they take all the ingredients, the ice cream, the peach syrup, the real peaches, and they blend them together. And that's a better picture of what life looks like. So if you're a pro at Tetris and you're like, you've got to realize that sometimes, see, in Tetris, the pieces drop one at a time and you handle that piece one at a time. And sometimes in life, all the pieces start falling at once simultaneously. And you're like, ah. Life is kind of more blended than separated. And so today, as we look at this series called Rhythm, where we look at life, I want you to know that we're not going to get into compartmentalization. Uh, rhythm, strictly defined, is a strong, regular pattern that's repeated uh, in a pattern of movement. So, a couple of examples of that. Yesterday, I went to a funeral. And the funeral was, was a celebration of life. And when we went, it was at the Chisholm Trail Church of Christ. And my, my brothers and sisters in Christ, in the family at Chisholm Trail, they know how to sing and to celebrate. And so he got up and he led, everybody will be happy over there. And it was crazy. All of a sudden, it was like everybody was happy over there. The, the, he, the rhythm that he brought to the song, the joy that he brought to the song, wasn't just in him. As he led that, I started watching, head start moving, my foot started moving up and down. I mean, it was just like it was reverberating because he had a song and it began to reverberate. That's rhythm. It's that strong, regular, repeated movement that goes all throughout just a room of people, but life. This morning when Charles uh, led the, the song before the lesson, let it rise among us, there was, a, there was a mood shift in the room as we sang together. Yeah, you, maybe you'd notice it, maybe you didn't, but, but there was a, a change, a shift. What, where did that come from? It came from Charles sharing his heart as he led us in worship. Now, Rhythm is this idea that we have something that goes consistently throughout our lives. Let's think about outside of the world of music. Okay, right now your heart is beating, I hope. Uh, if you will take your right hand or your dominant hand, whichever one, right or left hand, put it over your heart. I want you to feel, just for a moment, 
your heart beating. Now, many of you know Christy's dad has been in the hospital this past week, and one of the days Christy went up there with Grace, and the nurse gave her a stethoscope. And she said, put this on your ears, and now put it up to my heart. And so now she's going around, little nurse Grace. Okay, Dad, can I hear your heartbeat? Okay, now you listen to my heartbeat. And, and the crazy thing about that is your, your beat, your rhythm, isn't just right here. That pulsates through every cell in your body. The blood pumping from your heart brings life to every cell, every skin cell, every organ, every part of you has a rhythm flowing through it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Rhythm is the idea that we got to get the parts aren't nice and neat and separated. We don't have this area and this area and this area of life. We have a rhythm that God wants to be moving throughout all the parts. In fact, if you have arrhythmia, it's a an irregular heartbeat. It's an irregular rhythm. It's not going like it should and can cause way too too many problems. As the heart goes too fast or too slow or too quickly, it can cause issues. God is the rhythm. And God needs to be glorified and magnified throughout every area of life. You see, the problem is that sometimes even Christian people can falsely buy into the idea that we can play life like a game of Tetris, that we believe we can compartmentalize our life. I don't know if you've moved recently, Um, looking at my friend and sister in Christ, Patricia. She's going to be moving, and uh, we wish her Godspeed. And when you get into moving, you get into this, like, real-life game of Tetris, don't you? You know, putting all the pieces in all the places. Sometimes, unfortunately, we begin to think that way about life. And so we begin begin to think about certain areas of our lives. So if I'm having trouble with my, my money, you know, I begin to begin to think about that area of my life. And so that's in the money box. And then I've got maybe my social area of my life, okay? And that looks different for different people. I've got my friends. I've got people who are in real time and people who are are on uh, FaceTime and people who are on Instagram and social media. Uh, I've got my friendships and my connections. and, And maybe sometimes we think, okay, that the friends go... They're in a box, and I've got that. Maybe then we think about our career. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, the job. You know, if you're stressed out, then a moment like today is hard because Monday's coming. And you, if you go into a job you hate and you're stressed out, and you think this is the job box, and I've got this area of life. And then I've got my family. Uh, whether you are married and you're thinking about your spouse, how to be a good husband or wife, or you're a mom or a dad, or you're a single person and you're, you're thinking about your parents and your siblings. All, you know, but I've kind of got this area of my life. Then we have, what one is this one? My health. Oh my goodness. My health. That's a, that's a box we kind of take for granted until things start going wrong. And then it begins to really shake things up. Um, how am I taking care of myself? What about my entertainment? This is a weird sort of little box because somehow we, we sort of believe that 
it really doesn't matter. You know, I'm at worship right now, but it, whatever I binge watch on Netflix or Hulu has no effect. I mean, that, that goes in the entertainment box. See, that doesn't, that doesn't have anything to do with the church box. I, I mean, that's just this, that's the thing, when, that's a little bit of me time right there. I just watch what I want. It doesn't affect me. I, I, I know it affects other people, but, but what I put in my mind and my heart has no effect. It's just my entertainment box. You see, it's just the thing that I like to do, and, and, and that's fine. Uh, what, about, what about my thought life? Because, you know, I can, I, can, um, I can fake pretty well um, dressing like a Christian, talking like a Christian, looking like a Christian. Um, but you know what? Here's the thing. Nobody knows what's going on inside the thought box. And uh, that's okay. I'll just keep it, keep it nice, neat, and wrapped up right here in the box where it won't hurt anybody. And, um, and then I've got, well, what else? What's my next one here? My, oh, yeah, personal growth. How am I maturing as a person, learning and improving, growing intellectually and emotionally and maturing, you know. Um, and then we've got, we even have, we even have a God box. And we give, we give God time, you know, uh, we got here to church. It's, I mean, we got in a little bit late. We'll, we'll sneak out a little bit early, but we got, we got the God box taken care of. You know, we, we did our daily Bible reading. We kind of, you know, we, we rushed through the, the boring parts, but we, you know, we kind of got it. You know, we, you know, we, we give God his time. He's got his box. He's, he's got his area of my life, too. You see, there's a problem because... Um, because we can get it all sorted and work it out nice and neat. But, but think about this. When you begin to think of your life very compartmentalized like this, what happens when your thought life is in a totally different place than your relationship with God? Well, what happens when, you're, when your money and your finances, you know, you, you think, well, I, I mean, I just, I, I have, I, I'm living from paycheck to paycheck and I'm, I'm getting all my credit card points and I'm, and I'm, I don't want to, I don't want God involved over here. I mean, I just, I want to keep my, my money separate from, from my God. I just need, I need, you know, to keep the boxes nice do, 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 and just sit neat do, 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 and stack do, 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 do. You understand the problem with compartmentalization? With thinking fallaciously that any of these boxes really don't bleed over into any other area. You think if you're stressed out on the job, it doesn't affect how you worship? You think if you're living paycheck to paycheck and you're, you're, you're up to your eyeballs in debt, it doesn't affect your ability to give? I mean, do you think all of that doesn't... Like, somehow we believe that we can just separate the areas of our lives and we just kind of deal with them one at a time like we're playing a game. Guys, we're not playing a game. We are living a life. And God never intended... God, forgive us. God, forgive us when we've ever thought that we could put God in a box, in a part, in an hour a week, in, a, in, a, in just a, a few moments here and there. You, you understand that God, this has been the problem with, with God's people in their struggle with God, is that they've foolishly believed they could put God in one part of their lives and not 
the other parts of their lives. That God was just this tiny little idol that they, they could be nice and neat and in the box and we could come to the box and then, oh, it's Sunday, time to go to church. Kids, kids, come on, let's go. I know we've been watching filthy movies all week. I know, I know we yell and scream because I know we don't, I, don't, I know we watch things we shouldn't be watching, but it's time for the God box. Come on, let's go. And then, and then it's kind of strange, isn't it? It's kind of strange that sometimes our kids go, you know, I don't really, I don't really think I need the God box. If that's what, if that's what God is all about, if if God's just a part of our lives that is inconsistent with every other part. And we go, oh, no, 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 wait, wait, you gotta have the God box, you gotta have the God box, you gotta, you gotta have, I mean, we gotta get, I mean, we gotta have the, we gotta, you can't, you can't have a, and the, and the, this next generation is going, you know, I'm pretty good with just these boxes. In fact, I'm gonna have some other boxes that your, your generation didn't have. And all of a sudden we get worried. You see, we have got to stop trying to compartmentalize faith. Because compartmentalization, it's a bigger problem than just playing games. It leads to a huge problem. Jesus and the scriptures call it hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is the idea that I can have God in one area of my life and ignore him in every other area of life. The Pharisees. The Pharisees were God's people And they had the God box down. They had the God box filled up. In fact, the God box was huge. They memorized scripture. They wore phylacteries and flowing robes. They wore, literally, whoops. They wore the God box right there on their head. So everyone could see how religious they were. And Jesus called them, you hypocrites. You brood of vipers. Why? It wasn't that they didn't know the word. It wasn't that that they didn't have this box. It was they had all this other stuff that was not glorifying to God. And they thought, sometimes like we think, that, ah, so what if the boxes don't agree? The Israelites, in their journey with God, believed that they could worship at the altar of Baal. They could worship around an Asherah pole Six days of the week, but on the Sabbath day, they could go and worship at the temple of God. And God says, shut your prayers. Stop it. I don't even want to hear from you. Stop going to worship. I'm going to shut my ears to it because I don't want to hear it. It's so full of hypocrisy. Judas. Judas. Loved silver more than he loved his Savior. You see, he, he, he was focused on this box and didn't care about much of the other boxes. So you see, hypocrisy is a problem. And if we don't, if we're not careful, we can fall into the same trap that they did. Jesus hated hypocrisy. Called it out very clearly many times. He was very clear in scripture. If you turn to Matthew chapter 23, we're not going to read the entire section of the scripture. But Jesus was straight blunt with these people. He was direct. He didn't cut any corners. He didn't whitewash it. He just said, woe to you, Pharisees and scribes, you hypocrites. And what was he calling out? 
he was calling out the difference in the boxes, in the compartments of their lives. They tie up heavy burdens which are hard to bear. They lay themselves, these burdens, on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long, for they love the place of honor at the feasts and the best seats in the synagogue and greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbi by by others. You see, he, he was calling out their hypocrisy. They were focused on the God box in a public sort of way, but when it came down to their private life, they couldn't care any about God. They only prayed when other people were listening. They only gave when there was a big crowd to notice. Jesus called out their hypocrisy because he hated it. Jesus still hates hypocrisy today. What would Jesus say to us if if he could speak to us in our modern generation? Woe to you. Woe to you who go to church but don't live like the church. Woe to you who read your Bible, who listen to the preacher, but don't do what the Bible says to do. Woe to you who, who talk the good talk, but fail to walk the good walk. Woe to you who, who preach loving your neighbor and, and spew vile and hatred on social media. Woe to you. Woe to you. Because your life is full of hypocrisy. Woe to you who sing praises to God for half an hour on Sunday, and yet the rest of your week is full of criticism and gossip and cynicism and hatred and swearing and taking the Lord's name in vain and watching that kind of entertainment. Woe to you. Because you look good on the outside. You, you, You dress up pretty well. But on the inside, your heart is full of anger and lust and greed. Woe to you. It's easy for us to pick on other hypocrites. It's it's an easy place to sit in judgment of those who did it wrong. But may we point the Bible as a mirror to ourselves and focus where we struggle Let me get to the solution. What is the cure for hypocrisy? If hypocrisy is the illness, then in my estimation, it's cured with a a dose of vitamin J. J standing for Jeremiah. If you want to turn in your Bibles, Jeremiah chapter 29 is where you'd go. We're going to go several hundred years before Jesus. Page 844 in the Pew Bible, if you don't know where Jeremiah is, we are in Jeremiah chapter 29. And he is speaking to a people who are in captivity. They got to captivity because of their hypocrisy. And so, a message. God is sharing with them his heart. And he's saying, listen, you're going to pay for some consequences. I know Jeremiah 29.11 is sort of like the senior graduation verse. Woefully out of context, okay? (laughs) Look at verse 10, for thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill my promise and bring you back to this place. So Jeremiah 29, 11 doesn't really apply to our, 
our graduating class unless you're planning to go into Babylon captivity. Sorry. Um, But verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for a welfare and not for evil, plans to give you a future and a hope. Then, this is, by the way, 70 years later, okay? These people who are teenagers will be great-great-grandfathers and great-great-grandmothers in 70 years. Then I will give you a hope and a future. You will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You see, God wants all of you. God never has, never, ever in the history of his journey with his people been okay with just having a part of you. God wants all of you. He he wants your work life. He wants your financial life. He wants your relationships. He wants your entertainment. He wants your thought life. He wants every part of you. And if God can't have it all, he doesn't want any. And that is the struggle that you and I face. Because we want so often just to give God part. And God says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Our verse for the the entire year, Mark chapter 12, page 1089 in the Pew Bible. Mark chapter 12, verse 29. Jesus answered the most important question. And he gave them the most important answer, which is the greatest commandment. And Jesus said the greatest commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Did, did you notice there, if you, if you didn't catch my very intentional, purposeful Emphasis on the word all. God wants it all. He wants all of you, not just part of you. And he's never been content with just having part of you. He wants your thought life. He wants your emotions. He wants your strengths. He wants your abilities. He doesn't just want Sunday from 10 a.m. to 11.15 p.m. He wants Every bit of every single hour of the next 168 hours of the week. You hear me? He wants it all. That's the kind of God we serve. He's in all. He's through all. He's before all. He's after all. And when it comes to you and I, he wants us all. So may we seek him with all of our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength. And never try to relegate God to just one area of our lives. Romans chapter 12, the verse that Rob read for. And and I will encourage you to turn again in scripture. Romans chapter 12, page 1215. If you're caring to follow along in the pew Bible. I appeal to you brothers. By the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed by this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. 
that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, when, when, when the... Paul wrote to the church at Rome, and he said, living sacrifices, he's speaking now to Christians who are very familiar with animal sacrifices, something we're very familiar with in our world today. But, but you understand, when, when a, a sheep or a lamb or a goat was brought to the temple, that was a one-way journey. The animal was going. The animal would be laid on the altar and sacrificed completely. That was a dead sacrifice that went to the altar. Living sacrifices are people who come to God to be altered by him, to be changed, to be transformed, not to conform to the world, not to look like everybody else except, oh yeah, we go for an hour a week here to this place at this time and do these certain number of things in this certain number of order. That's not it. It's total, complete, Full, 100% transformation. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Let's read it again together. And I'll read the white words if you will read the words in yellow. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Did you catch that? This is your true and proper worship. Worship, you see, they, like us, sometimes think, well, if we just do the right things and right, everything's reasonable, everything's in order, everything's decent. Okay, but that there is that part of our lives. But Paul says, listen, there's something that is so much more transformational. It is our living worship. It's our day-to-day that must be consistent with what we do on this day. May we not forget Monday through Saturday matters as well. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Real quickly, what do we do? Number one, you have to die to yourself every single day. If you're following along in scripture, Jesus spelled it out. By the way, if you're If you're interested in a textual verse-by-verse study of the Bible, join us on Sunday nights. We're going through this very book. But turn with me to Luke, ninth chapter, page 1,112 in the Pew Bible. And Jesus said to all, if anyone would come after me, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. You see, when we begin to play the game of life, do, 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 and you're thinking about education and job and making money, and you're thinking about families and raising them, and do, 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 and Jesus says, listen, discipleship starts with forgetting what you want, giving up every, whoops, not the God box, (laughs) wrong illustration there, okay, getting rid of all of what you want, and just taking hold of one, I deny every other box, and just hold on as tightly as I can to this one, with everything I have. Everything I do, every thought I have, every relationship I have, everything that I watch, everything that I'm a part of, every job that I take, it's all designed to go in this box. 
And he gets that. And he gets the glory in all that we do. You see, sometimes we think, well, I got to get all this other stuff. And then I'll worry about the God box. No, 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 no. Jesus said, seek first. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. So may we get our priorities straight. We deny ourselves and then we live for him. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. It's not longer about all my boxes. Forget all those boxes. They don't even matter. Christ, God lives in me. And the life I live now in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Thankfully, we do not have to do it alone. We are in this together. And this morning, if you are struggling with the order of the boxes, the, 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 the placement of the boxes, you, you don't even have the God box in there. This is a great time to begin that journey. God loves you. And you need to know he loves all of you. Not just the part that's here right now. The part that was there Saturday night. The part that's there Monday morning. God loves all of you. And he gave everything for you. To show how much he loves you. His, not even sparing his own son, the scripture tells, tells us. And so he wants from us just as he gave to us. He wants it all. And if you're ready to begin the journey with Jesus this morning, may I ask you, have you given him all of you? Have you died to yourself in the waters of baptism, been raised to walk in newness of life, as Romans chapter 6. Haven't begun, if he doesn't have all of you, then what's stopping you this morning from giving it all to him? Now at this point, some preachers would say, well, invite Jesus into your hearts, pray the special prayer. That's not in the Bible. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, it begins by doing this. Repent, knock over all the boxes, and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Mark 16 and 16. If you haven't begun that journey this morning, I bid you to begin by taking a single step. Come down front and our shepherds will meet you. Yes, you're going to have to dodge some boxes, but that's okay. You'll, we'll get there. And if, you, if you've begun that journey, but you've got the boxes all out of order and you need to repent this morning, that can happen for you. And we would encourage you to do so. If you need to do that in a public way, meet us down front as together we stand.